0: The following is a reflection on the readings for Thursday of the fifth week of Easter. The first reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. The response oil is Psalm 96, and the gospel is John chapter 10, verses 11 to 16. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Francis de Laval, the first bishop of Quebec City and a pastor who built up the church in Canada. He was born in 1623 and came to New France at the age of thirty-six having been already ordained a bishop. Known as Father of the Homeland, he focused on formation and administration, establishing an educational system that embraced all levels including a seminary. Eventually, Laval University was named in his honor. In carrying out his pastoral duties, there was much conflict with the state officials particularly with respect to the trading in alcohol and its effects on the native peoples. A pious man of deep faith and a generous benefactor gave him the ability to widely influence the population in Catholic spirituality. Saint Marie of the Incarnation, a contemporary of today's saint, said, He is in fact the most austere man in this world, the most detached from worldly possessions. He gives away everything and lives in poverty. One could truthfully say that he possesses the spirit of poverty. He is not one to make friends in order to get ahead and build his own wealth. This means nothing to him. His home, his life, his furnishings, his servants are all a reflection of how he lives his life in poverty. He has only one gardener, whom he lends to the poor when they are in need of him." Another contemporary, de la Colombiere, states, "...despite the rigors of our harsh climate, he would rise at three o'clock every morning and spend several hours daily in front of the Holy Sacrament. This is how our first bishop would recover from the exhaustion created by his fervor." Our readings today were chosen by the lectionary in support of this important memorial. In the first reading, St. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, lays out foundational elements of successful pastoral leadership. First, the recognition of God's presence, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and second, keeping in view the coming kingdom of God. He urges the young Timothy, therefore, as follows, quote, In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage, with the utmost patience in teaching. Regarding the first element, that is, recognizing God's presence, St. Paul is referring to God's omniscience, knowing everything about us. As Psalm 139 states, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. This presence is both a comfort and challenging. It invites us to be utterly transparent to God in every aspect of our lives, including our weaknesses, so that we can ask for help and receive His grace to be fruitful. At the same time, to realize that the God we love knows every thought and word spoken should summon a frequent examination of conscience and confession of sins, so as to foster our growth in holiness. As to the second element, Keeping in mind the coming of God's kingdom, this can help the sense of urgency in preparing ourselves and others for a new creation. St. Paul goes on to explain in the first reading why this preparation is so essential. Quote, For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. End of quote. In today's gospel, Jesus sets the standard for pastoral leadership. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. For us today, whether we are in pastoral leadership in a parish, employers in a company, or parents of a family, the same dynamics are in play. To be good shepherds to one another, the two elements of God's presence and his coming kingdom must be paramount. Let us therefore look into our own soul and make sure we are exercising leadership there, that our passions and emotions are subservient to sound judgment, that we are exercising the cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude guided by the Holy Spirit, that we are willing to die to our own vices, especially pride and presumption. Then we can be like the Good Shepherd of Psalm 23, who leads others to the green pastures and quiet waters of God's grace, protects those under their care from the wolves of a secular culture that seek to take advantage of the sheep and willingly to lay down our lives like Christ. Ultimately, The end goal is set out by Jesus, who says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Building the kingdom of God, which St. Paul speaks about in today's first reading, is set forth in the Vatican II document, Light of the Nations, expressed in paragraphs 9 and 10. Quote, at all times, God has given welcome to whosoever fears Him and does what is right. God, however, does not make men holy and save them merely as individuals without bond or link between one another. Rather, it has pleased Him to bring men together as one people, a people which acknowledges Him in truth and serves Him in holiness. That messianic people has Christ for its head. Its end is the kingdom of God which has been begun by God himself on earth, and which is to be further extended until it is brought to perfection by him at the end of time. Established by Christ as a communion of life, charity, and truth, it is also used by him as an instrument for the redemption of all, and is set forth into the whole world as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. End of quote. In honor of our saint, let us therefore heed the final words of St. Paul to Timothy in today's first reading. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering, doing the work of an evangelist, carrying out your ministry fully. Let us pray. O God, eternal shepherd of the faithful, who sent St. Francois de Laval as bishop to extend the dominion of Christ to the peoples of Canada, Grant, through his intercession, that we may strive always to keep and to put into practice the faith which, with unquenchable zeal, he strove to proclaim. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, for ever and ever. Amen.